0: Are you ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from ruining your life? Join award-winning author and breakthrough expert, Dr. Friedman Schaub for Empowerment Radio, as he addresses some of the most difficult challenges in our day-to-day lives. Find out how you can use the power of your mind to overcome self-sabotaging patterns and build a solid foundation of confidence and self-respect. Learn cutting-edge tools to switch out of survival mode and approach every day with greater ease, joy, and purpose here is your host on Empowerment Radio, Dr. Friedman Schaub.
1: Welcome to Empowerment Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Friedman. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Well, we are living in very interesting times, and there is no coincidence in the fact that so many people are feeling anxious and afraid and stressed out because most of us feel confused. These are somehow times where old norms and values don't any longer seem to count. There is a very blurriness now between what is right or wrong, what is true and what is a lie. That sense of what's in it for me that maybe ego or greed seems to more and more govern many people's actions and that other sense of just thinking about compassion and making a contribution to the well-being of all of us gets pushed to the wayside our planet is struggling just with everything that is happening global warming fires in the Amazon and so on we are feeling that everything is just accelerating and going into the direction that no one of us really wants to chaos seems to be more the norm than that calm stability and at the same time there is also a growing desire in so many people to see a higher truth in everything that's happening and to find a truth in ourselves that we can hold on to that is uh, a governing force a guiding force that helps us to navigate through those very fast and somehow chaotic times but how do we connect to that divine truth as some call it how can we connect to that What inside of us knows, just knows what is right, sees the bigger purpose and that higher perspective and allows us, therefore, to be at peace with no matter what we are experiencing around us, allows us to let go more of the negativity or the judgment or the fear, allows us to live more in freedom and in alignment with that purpose that we are here. To express and share with the world how do we tap into this truth a lot of people are looking for answers they don't feel that they want to go back to the religions they grow up with but they don't also know really where else to look for a guidance to get to that truth to get to that inner knowingness well today I have a guest that can help you with that and my guest is a world renowned channel Paul Selig who is not only an incredible, clear uh, teacher of those informations that he gets from his guides, but he's also incredibly humble. The way he's teaching is really as a way of letting him be the conduit, letting him be the one that is just expressing what he's told. We all need to hear, but at the same time also Still admitting that he is still struggling like all of us with that same conflict of that small self and that divine truth. And he has written many books and all of those books have just a wonderful not only way of explaining what's going on inside of us and around us and making sense of it, but his books also have a certain kind of energy, a vibration. And uh, make you just feel so much more calm and much more in alignment with yourself as you are going through those pages. So I am so happy Paul is here and he will hopefully help us to get more answers to those pressing questions that many of us may right now be struggling with. Well, welcome, Paul, to Empowerment Radio. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Well, Paul, I know many people know you, and some may not. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and your journey?
2: Well, I work now as a conscious channel. I was a, a college teacher uh, for many, many years. Um, when I was twenty-five, I had a, a bit of an awakening to the possibility of spirit. I had a, an, an experience with energy that I I still can't quite explain. Um, I ended up studying a form of energy healing eventually to get a context for what I was beginning to open up to spiritually, psychically. And um, I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I began to hear things for them, which was the opening to clear audience. And while I was having this other life teaching, I was doing a group that met in my apartment for about 18 years and I began to open there as a channel. And in, I would say, 2008, um, after I quit smoking, which was sort of my big last vice, the guides began lecturing through me. Um, And all I knew was that I was talking more. I wasn't really very interested in the information that was coming through me. I was interested in the energy, which was extremely palpable and exciting to be in. Um, But once I began willing to, you know, record the lectures that were coming through me and transcribe them they began doing books so they've now published seven of them there's an eight book that's completed and will be out next year and they've been bringing through a series of texts and the texts are all the unedited transcripts of these lectures in book form the guides say this is a book this is in the book this is the chapter of the of the book this is the title of the book and that's then they just deliver it and so that's what I do now. I left my academic life and I travel around the world and I, I sit in a chair, I close my eyes and I take dictation and the guides I work with attune the students to the energies that come through and get them working, I suspect, in the expectation that they can then align at that level and begin to do the work with the energy themselves.
1: Now, when you are channeling, who are you channeling? Who are they?
2: Well, I mean, I call them the guides, and they're only called the guides because years ago when my ex found out I could do this because I've been keeping it sort of a secret, my ex used to say, ask the guides this, ask the guides that, so they became the guide because it was convenient, and now people call them that. They're teachers. Um, the name that's been given in some of the books and the name that I've heard is the name Melchizedek, um, or, you know, the high priest I heard early on when I was first beginning to open the priest and the high priest and the other name. But you know, that's a priesthood. (laughs) And truthfully, I don't put tremendous emphasis on the names because that tends to get very caught up in narrative and ego and things like that. And truthfully, I understand them as the teachers that work through me um, in a very loving and very direct way. Um, So it's a group, it's a collective, although the one that I've seen or the primary one that I've, I've seen in, in meditation or under hypnosis, it looks the same. I mean, he's a very specific, amazing looking being. Um, and that's the energy I feel the most comfortable with and I've come to trust it over the years. How does it look like? Well, you know, I'll tell you the story. I was actually getting hypnotized and having nothing to do with this uh, this work and the person who was hypnotizing me knew the work and halfway through the hypnosis said and now your guide is going to come in and i'm thinking what and sure enough there was a being sitting next to me on a bench and he you know had a, a big big hat that's what i remember the most with a bit of a peak and then a cone that went up straight and then something Sort of that rested on the top of it. It's a little like what you might see in a Greek Orthodox, you know.
1: Ah, yes. It
2: was different, but it was different. And, and a robe, and he, was, and he had a long beard, long white beard, and deep, deep, I mean, very pale, but very deep blue eyes, you know, that just looked with such love and compassion and care. And I've actually been told because there's something that the guides do where they step into me when I work and they work with people is that my eyes turn bright blue at times when I work pretty frequently when I do certain things. And I don't have, I mean, I have hazel eyes, I have dark eyes. I find that interesting. Um, You know, and he was holding a scepter of some kind. It had uh, hieroglyphics that were raised. It was solid gold that I knew, but at least it seemed to be the metal was gold and it had these hieroglyphics that were raised. And he was showing it to me and I heard him say, this is what we use to attune people. And at the time I was bringing through this attunement that I didn't understand, it was brand new. And I had been walking around with my hands raised in front of me for the first time when they were doing this attunement. And then I realized that's what I'd been holding, you know, in the etheric holding that wand or whatever it was. So that was the first experience. There have been a couple of others with him. Um, But that's how he appears to me consistently.
1: So there is a connection to Egypt?
2: No, not necessarily. There could well be. I don't know that the hieroglyphs were Egyptian. In fact, I remember thinking, I don't know where this is from. I kept thinking it's not Egyptian. I was wondering if it was Babylonian or something. I mean, it was like, I was thinking this is from some other, I don't know, I mean, I don't, I'm not a good New Ager. I don't know much about, you know, Atlantis, Lemuria, all these things, who knows, you know? All I knew was it was something I had never seen. Um, And I was given an explanation for something that I was already doing, which I didn't understand. And that was helpful for me at the time. I don't do that attunement anymore. They've incorporated that attunement. Where I was holding that thing in others um, that have come subsequently. So
1: now, one well, of the things I really love about your books is that there is an energy to it. It's yeah. not just the words; it's really what's between the words. It's what's yeah. transmitted, and uh, so you read your your pages and the teachings that come through and. And there is something subconscious happening. There's something in your energy body happening as you're reading it, which is an additional layer to the words.
2: Well, I think it's the real book. The guides have said from the very beginning that the books are operating on two levels. They're the words on the page, which provide a context for the reader, but that the real book is the energy that informs the book. And um, that's been the case from the very beginning. I think it was the very first book, I Am the Word, which was published in 2010, I think, they said, you know, this is less a book to be read than to be experienced. And there's a passage that you incur through the reading of the book. And um, I find it very interesting. And it's, you know, when I channel, the energies in the room, you know, and people can feel it and people can begin to work with it. And the guides say the books are operating in the exact same way. So people are having these large experiences with the energy, I hear about them all the time. And when you read the reviews on Amazon, people are saying, I'm reading this book and my body's vibrating. You know, I'm reading this book, I'm seeing more There's these things. There's phenomena attached and has been. And I'm glad because I'm not always going to be here, but you know, the books are around.
1: And when you you know, one of the reasons why I read your books is also about that that gist of searching for your divine truth. And one of those aspects that I love about your book is even though sometimes you know you read the pages and you understand what it said but I think it also vibrates on that level of that deeper truth that Mm -hmm. emerges as you're reading so after the break I want to talk more about what that means divine truth that essence Mm -hmm. and what can we do uh, according to the teachings to get closer to that so we will be right back
3: Your inspiration
1: all day on transformationtalkradio.com. Your favorite transformation talk radio shows are now on Spotify. What? Simply search out your favorite host or show by name, tap the subscribe button, and boom. With over 150 million active monthly users on Spotify, Transformation Talk Radio is thrilled to expand our reach so you never have to miss an episode. Well, what the heck are you waiting for? Log into Spotify and subscribe now.
3: We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The Power of Inspiration and Awakening Radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com.
1: We're here with Paul Selig talking about his teachings and the teachings of his guides. And before the break, we just talked about the upper room. So Paul, share with us, what is the upper room? What is that about?
2: I mean, I understand it as a level of consciousness that one can align to. They've called it different things, Christ mind. My, My favorite explanation or instruction on this is that They say everything is in tone, or sound, or music, and that we together here, all of us, are operating a shared octave of experience and expression. It's got its own highs, its own lows, but this is a shared construct of reality that we operate in. They say that the upper room is the next octave up, you know? Mm. And if you can imagine a piece of music being transposed to be played in a higher octave, that's the transposition that we undergo through this work. We're aligning to our true nature, which expresses a higher vibration. And the process of shifting from one octave to another is much of what they're taking us through, which isn't terribly comfortable because all of our attachments are known through this inherited field that we've been operating from. So the upper room is where things are indeed made new, and they teach us how to align to it, and then how to lift things to it, so that we're not always running back downstairs to the lower vibrational field to, to fix things or to get things as we think they should be. I mean, they're speaking here to the inherent divinity of all things. You know, the, the source of all things is present in all manifestation. And you can't lift to its true nature what you are condemning or fearful of. They say, for example, you can't lift the evil man to the upper room because you've made him evil. And by making him evil, you've aligned him at that level. You've called yourself to that level of vibrational accord. So releasing the ideas of who others are, what things should be, which is all prescriptive and based in history, allows you to re-know or re-see, and then consequently lift to this level of consciousness what you're encountering, which they actually call alchemy. They say it's now chemical act, the realization of spirit in matter, the true essence of all things. They say renders matter as malleable. You understand? Because frankly, it's all. You know, the the metaphor they use is like a painting. You know, you look at a painting and there are are people, there are objects, whatever the landscape is and the narrative that has been painted. And the only way we know what things are is how they're formed. And they resemble, this resembles a tree, that resembles a man. And that's resembled through the choices of pigment, and the different colors used to render the different shades and shapes. And they say, but if you get beyond that, it's just paint. It's all paint, it's one paint being expressed in all these different ways. And all we're seeing or doing is attaching narrative meaning to it. When you release the narrative meaning and you bring things back to their initial state, which is the paint or what creates the paint, you then can repaint and you can have a very different experience of reality. So
1: this is seeing the divinity in everything?
2: That's what they're talking about, yep, that's what they're talking about. I mean, it's mind-blowing when you can do it, you know, and they're trying to teach us how to do it. In fact, I suspect that they are. I do workshops all over the world now, and people are having these experiences with it. Um, But, you know, the big challenge is, at least for me, is I deny the divine in myself still. And if I'm denying it in myself, I'm not going to be able to perceive it. In Why do others. We do
1: that? Why do we deny the divine ourselves? What are we afraid of?
2: I'm gonna see if I can get it from the guides because I'd like to answer this. They're saying we would like to answer this. You're frightened of being who you're, you're frightened of being who you truly are because, because you've become accustomed to the old, the challenge that the old brought you. The challenges that the old has brought you is how you know yourself, is how you know yourself and what you create from and what you create from. The identity is not challenged, the identity that is not challenged, that knows yourself and worth, that knows herself and worth and self and love himself in love is indeed the true self, is indeed the true self, but to align to that, but to align to that must mean you've been mistaken, must mean you have been mistaken about who you think you are, about who you think you are, and if that is the case, and if that is the case, you are not there. You are not there at all. That's the belief. It's the belief that you will be exterminated, extinguished, extinguished, or lost, or lost if you claim the true nature of your being. If you claim the true nature of your being, in fact, that's not what happens. In fact, that's not what happens. As you integrate the higher, as you integrate the higher, as you release what's no longer needed, as you release what's no longer needed, as you align to your potential in a new way, as you align to your potential in a new way, the true self comes forth. The true self comes forth, indeed, at the cost of the old. Indeed, at the cost of the old of the life that you live, but the life that you live on Earth, on Earth, in form, in form, is a new articulation. Is a new articulation of the idea of who you are, of the idea of who you are. The divine that has come as you, the divine that has come as you, is your true expression. Is your true expression. Period. I'm saying period.
1: So. Is it true that we think who we are or is it that we are not also told this is who we are? Basically, you know, I think about myself as I was told you're a doctor, you have a career in the medical field and that's who you are because my parents were doctors. And isn't that like often just to believe the frame that you mentioned before that we are put into?
2: well it's not it's nothing wrong with knowing yourself through what you do the problem is is when you use those labels to define you at the cost of who you are beyond that so who are you if you're not a doctor what if something happened tomorrow god forbid and you couldn't practice medicine would you still be the doctor you know if i have been the the best looking person i've known my whole life and something happens to change that Who am I then, who am I without the marriage, without the pedigree, without the education, without all of the things that I assume I am and demand to be met with and through in the world. The guides have talked about the small self and the things that you're speaking of as as ways we know ourselves in commerce, in, in almost, finance. it's like agreement in commerce, which is I'm the doctor, you're the patient. I'm the husband, you're the wife. You know, I'm the pet owner, you're the one who's gonna fix my dog up when she gets sick. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. They say it's valuable to know whose desk to sit at, but you're not your job, you're not your gender, you're not your ethnicity, you're not your age, you're not the money you have in the bank account. Those are ways of knowing the self, but they are not who you truly are. So is, is some of this chosen? Yes. Is some of it inherited? Absolutely, because we come into a world where things have been endowed with meaning, and we agree to the meaning. So, for example, the lump of coal and the diamond have been assigned value. You know, who says the diamond is more valuable? Well, that's how it's been, so that's what we know. And in fact, if you're trying to make a fire, the lump of coal might be more helpful, you know, might be better. You know, I mean, a hamburger and a mansion um, have two very different values, unless you're starving. Do you understand that? And then the value changes. So we, we live in this landscape where everything has meaning and we've, we've given it that. And then we put ourselves right into that equation. So I'm only a man if I do this, this or that, or I resemble this or that, or I've accomplished this or that. And we, we claim tremendous unhappiness, I suspect, as a result of that, too, because, you know, we're participating in this charade, the guides call it, where, you know, it's an opportunity to learn. It's not a bad thing. You can learn in the charade. You put on the mask of a doctor. I put on the mask of a channeler. We have a conversation. We both learn. We come away different from it. You know, this is all positive. But what the guys are saying is, you know, the masquerade ball is ending, is what they say. People are, dro- the costumes are dropping, the masks are coming off. And when you've had a mask that you've been operating with your whole life, and that begins to become unsteady and to leave, it's fairly terrifying. Because it's like if you pick up a rock up from the mud, you know, and you expose all the creepy crawlies that have always been there, suddenly you have to look at what the mask has been hiding. And how we refuse the divine, for lack of a better word, the guides say our only real problem as a species is our denial of God. That's it. We could get past that; we wouldn't have big problems because then there's no fear, and then you're not operating in fear or separation anymore. So yeah. So if the charade is over, that means you are, you know, Friedrich, who has known himself as the doctor and who's known himself with the name, you know. Dr. Friedman Schaub, that's how you would know yourself. It's like, okay, that's who I've been, but who am I without the name, without the career? That's when you begin to find out the deeper, I suspect.
1: Well, the interesting thing for me was that I was so attached to being a doctor that I identified myself with that until I got panic attacks. And they woke me up in the middle of the night and told me, you're going to not want to live like this for the next 25 years and so this is when i left medicine and this is when i left research and everything i was doing and started something i feel more in alignment with so i love this notion of the leap of faith and listening to the inner calling i think it's easier when you have a connection to the upper room can you give us a hint on how we can get more into this upper octave regularly and easily to see that bigger perspective.
2: Well, the book—the book that just came out—it's called um, *Beyond the Known uh, Realization*. It's book one of the *Beyond the Known* trilogy. It's all about the upper room and 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 how to get there. And frankly, they just offer very simple meditation. See, there's an aspect of you or of me that's always there. That's that always already exists there. It's just aligning to that part of us that's present there. So, you know, they often take people through a short meditation where you're at a stairway with three steps. And the first stairway step is the willingness to release your, your release your attachment to identity as you've known it. The second is seems to be something about releasing your ways of, of, of understanding what form or matter is through prior prescription. And then the third is the willingness to express at this level. And then they see see a threshold, step over the threshold, and claim you know claim the upper room. When the attunement for the upper room is a simple one, I am in the upper room, and you can often feel the energy lift right around you. I mean, when we do it in groups, it's astonishing. People can lift other people to the upper room too. You can feel it's like being in a, it's like a funnel of energy where everything just goes whoosh. You know, you feel it. And it's a a different way of operating, and once you're there, you can ask yourself what you're afraid of, and more than likely, you're going to find nothing. You have to go back down and find it, because you're operating in the present moment where fear isn't expressed, you know, from this other level. So, I would go to the book, or the audio book, but, um, you know, it's it's a choice to embody at that level. Now, I think what the guides have been doing in all of their books is bringing us to this place. So it might be challenging for somebody who's never had experienced this, this before to try to get right there. But all of the attunements, which actually are present in all of the books, because in the recent books, because the guides always catch people up. They say it's a one-room schoolhouse. They bring their students up to the point they need to get to are um, present, so I, I'll take it back to start where you want to, but yeah, the upper room is there. You align to the am in the upper room, and then you begin to have the experience.
1: Hi, I'm Laura Meeks, and the most common problem that my clients face is all work and no play. This is why I created Fly High Living. I help you develop a balanced life plan and guide you to a place where you love to wake up in the morning. Call 888-666-1570 or go to flyhighliving.com to sign up for the four-week Flight Plan for Life course.
3: Are you traveling most of your day? Do you want to take Transformation Talk Radio with you anywhere you go? Well, guess what? There's an app for that. Just go to the App Store on your Apple device or the Google Play Store on your Android and search Transformation Talk Radio. Catch all of our live shows no matter where you are. Thanks for listening.
0: Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. TransformationTalkRadio.com
1: Now, let's say, for example, some people have problems with the current government and Mm -hmm. say, I don't want to resist any longer. I don't want to be in this negativity and fear any longer. I want to lift the president up into the upper room. That seems to be challenging for lots of people. So how- yeah, well,
2: it is because we've decided who he is. I've, I have, I have my judgments and my concerns. Certainly. Um, so how do we deal with this at that level? Let me go to the guides with this because it's loaded, um, and they don't care about politics, which I find interesting. <laughs> so they talk about it. You know, they talk about then things as symptoms. Um, you know, they talked about. On a, on a podcast about a year and a half ago, they talked about where we were now as a country, as we were pulling back the, the bed cover to see the infestation that it was always there, you know, and we have been denying and that it's our creation, our collective creation. We've been complicit to all this stuff, either through ignorance or denial or, mm. you know. So anyway, it's a bigger moment than this government um let me just see how we would do that would like to answer differently They're saying we would like to answer differently than either expecting than either of you are expecting the man you know of as a president. The man you know of as a president is also an idea, is also an idea, an idea of a man, an idea of a man, an idea of what a president is, an idea of what a president is, the idea of the president, the idea of the president is the issue here, is the issue here. The man is simply playing a role, the man is simply playing a role in his own strange way, in his own strange way, and self identifying through power and authority and self identifying through power and authority in a lower strata, in a lower strata to re the man. To renew the man is to release your idea of the man is to release your idea of the man and then to release the idea of the presidency, and then the release of the idea of the presidency. Both of those things may be reclaimed. Both of those things may be reclaimed in a higher order in a higher order, higher octave, higher octave, but they cannot be lifted, but they cannot be lifted when they are being condemned or feared, when they are being condemned or feared in a holiness. Innate holiness must be understood now. Must be understood now, the human being, The human being that you call the enemy, that you call the enemy, is called the enemy, is called the enemy because he's not doing what you want, because he is not doing what you want or would have him do, or would have him do to release the name enemy. To release the name enemy gives him the potential, gives him the potential to be renowned, to be renowned, to release the idea of what he has done, to release the idea of what he has done against simply ideas. Again, simply ideas which are malleable to thought, which are malleable to thought, support him in releasing himself, support him in releasing himself from the chains he has claimed, from the chains he has claimed through prior action, through prior action to know who another is, To know who another is, capital K, no. Capital K, no, is to know the inherent divinity, is to know the inherent divinity that must be present, that must be present in spite of all appearances, contrary, in spite of all appearances, to the contrary, the claim I know you are, the claim I know who you are in truth, I know what you are in truth. Truth. I know how you serve in truth. This re-articulation is re-articulation, the re-knowing of the man. The re-knowing of the man beyond what he has done or thought to be. Beyond what he has done or thought to be or been thought to be. I lift you to the upper room. I lift you to the upper room, claiming in the high octave. Claiming him in the high octave supports him in the potential. Supports him in the potential for re-articulation for re-articulation beyond what he has believed himself to be, beyond what he has believed himself to be in his fear, in his anger, in his fear, in his anger, or self-justification, or self-justification, period. And they're saying, period. Mm -hmm. So
1: you mention in your books about lives or the decision to come into lives with a certain kind of purpose or a meaning, or you make in many ways already maybe your mission up before you come in. Is that right?
2: Well, I, I hear that we have things that we come to learn, you know, that there are things that we're, we're, we're here to learn and we're, we're here to engage in our learning and we'll get those lessons in whatever form it takes. And often I think, regardless of how they come, I mean, the guides say, you know, the, the millionaire and the beggar are both learning lessons of, of, Of abundance in very different ways and it's we who make one higher than the next in fact they're not they're just different ways to learn I mean the fact that we could make one human being higher than the next is ridiculous to the guides already because it makes no sense to them you know but we do it and that's how we choose we choose to learn so I I hear less I've come to be a painter I've come to be a doctor Although that perhaps is part of it because those are the best ways to learn these lessons. Um, I hear a bit more. Let me go to the guys who would like to say differently. They're saying we would like to say it differently. Indeed, you do incarnate. Indeed, you do incarnate to learn, to learn, but you also come to be with others. But you also come to be with others for that learning, for that learning, and how you choose to incarnate, and how you choose to incarnate, and indeed with who, and indeed with who is chosen prior to birth, is chosen prior to birth to support the potential, to support the potential that is in fact yours to know, that is in fact yours to know as you align your potential. As you align to your potential, your choices are brought to you in high ways. Your choices are brought to you in high ways. You may learn through them, and you may learn through them. He interrupts. He interrupts. Can we say no? Can we say no? Yes, you can say no. Yes, you can say no and defer the lesson and defer the lesson. Many do this. Many do this as it is not judged. It is not judged, but it is not needed either, but it is not needed either, period, period.
1: So can we maybe choose also to be the perpetrator, the rapist, the person who just causes pain for others to learn from it?
2: I hear yes, um, yes, because you have free but I hear yes because you have free will, not because it's mandated. And I don't know that that's because that would be mandated. So you see, if I understand this, and I may not understand it well enough to try to explain it, the denial of the, the inherent divine is the problem. You don't murder who or what you know to be holy. It just wouldn't occur to you. So you're acting out of the denial of the inherent divine. The denial of the divine in yourself mandates that you deny it in another. You know, If you take away the humanity in another, you know, you've, you've, you've allied to him or her and your own actions to the lower vibrational field. And that's, you know, where these things come from. So I'm just gonna ask, does somebody choose to be a rapist before they incarnate ever? I hear, no, they don't, but they may choose to learn lessons. But they may choose to learn lessons that will be learned through those acts that will be learned through those acts, but those acts may be met, but those acts may be met in very different ways in very different ways. In other words, in other words, you learn dignity. You learn dignity by claiming dignity, by claiming dignity, what the cost of that claim is, what the cost of that claim is may indeed vary, may indeed vary. The one who is accused of a crime and not doing it, the one who is accused of a crime and has not done it and has not done it, learn some lessons, Learns some lessons, the one who has done the crime learns others, the one who has done the crime learns others, period, period, period. I don't know. It's a big question, maybe for the next book, they can get into it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I have a few more questions, and mm-hmm. we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come right back.
3: Tired of being tired? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know the adrenal glands, the workhorse of the body? They are the means by which you position yourself in life for whatever comes your way. Tiny but mighty, producing hormones the body uses to promote energy and vitality. These adrenals determine how you respond to stress, and when depleted, the body loses its ability to function powerfully when we need it most. The much-needed adrenaline or epinephrine is not available for emergency situations. Cortisone and cortisol, the longer-acting anti-stress adrenal hormones, can also become depleted due to the pace of our everyday lives. We overwork and undernutrition our most powerful ally that helps us to live the lives we desire. We are able to determine the optimum function of the adrenals and put your system back in balance. Contact us today to feel powerfully energized at 888-777-4232 or visit us at maryjanemack.com.
1: Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. I'm here with Paul Selig, and it's just a wonderful and fascinating and uplifting conversation we have. And before the break, I was asking about whether we are choosing our incarnations, for example, to be uh, a murderer, a rapist, or something, someone who creates uh, a lot of pain. In that regard, I wonder, do we also come in to teach others? or are we only coming in to learn ourselves?
2: Well, I hear both are the same. The teacher and the learner are not separate. Has arrived. Nobody has arrived to the level to the level where there's no teaching, where there is no teaching
1: needed. Mm-hmm. So there is actually always, we cannot live on that octave of that place of learning alone. We do always share
2: our teachings. Let me ask, yes and no, they're saying yes and no. There are levels levels of agreement where a student is needed, where a student isn't needed. You are the student and the teacher sometimes. So you are the student and the teacher simultaneously in your relationship to the manifest world. In your relationship to the manifest world, having a partner with you, having a partner with you allows you certain lessons, allows you certain lessons being in solitary, Being in solitary action, action gives you other opportunities to learn, gives you other opportunities to learn and to teach as well, and to teach as well. Who gets taught if you're alone? He says, who gets taught if you are alone? He says, the same one who is the teacher, the same one who is the teacher. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? You become both teacher and student. You become both teacher and student in that articulation, in that articulation period. Same period.
1: So... Your book about freedom, which I just mm-hmm. love, emphasizes the importance of freedom. And I have to say this was one of my greatest values that I discovered you know, in my 30s, which I didn't know that freedom was so important to me. So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about how to attain more freedom? Because I think a lot of people feel the opposite.
2: Um, I don't know if it's about attaining freedom as much as it's about aligning to it as as a way of being and I could be wrong here. Um, When the guides talk about freedom, they're talking in a lot of ways about freedom from fear and freedom from prescribed structures. You know, what we think should be there because it's always been there or who are we without this? And all of those things, I suspect, attach us to sort of a lower agreement. So who am I without the job? Who am I without the marriage? Who am I without whatever, you know? So when the guides work with the claim, I am free, I am free, I am free, again, they're using the I am as the true self, the true self that is always free. You know, how could the true self not be free? and you say well you know if i'm free why am i in this terrible situation or this awful marriage or whatever but the true self as you as you align to that aspect of self they would suggest i think is always free and the manifestation of that realization then comes at the cost of the old which means you've got to be willing to release these things that you've been attached to that are binding you you know they talk about it quite simply as you know, a false ceiling, a dropped ceiling, you know, and we've all been looking up at this shared idea of what we're capable of and what we can be and how we can be known. And the guides say really what we're doing is we're punching a hole or moving a hole through that false ceiling that's only been there because we've all decided it can be, you know, shouldn't be because it's always been there. And when you begin to do that, actually you're beginning to attend to what they call the upper room, what exists beyond this floor, and has always been there. Now the guides work with attunements, and they're attuning us to energy, or a level of vibration that they say has always been there. They say we're all radios, we're always in broadcast, our broadcast is our consciousness. And we've only been playing the stations that we've been taught to play. These other stations are there as well. So these claims of truth, and I am free, they would say is a claim of truth because the true self is always free, is basically tuning the radio that you are to play that broadcast. When it's like, a, it's like a radio station or a jukebox, you put the numbers in on the jukebox a certain song plays. And if you work with the attunements, they would say the energy is always present at that level. And then you get to work with the energy and then integrate it until it becomes you know, how you operate. For the most part now, we're so used to playing the old stations, which is I'm not free and the world isn't gonna give me what I need and you gotta struggle or be frightened or all those things. We're so used to playing the lower stations that we play the higher stage, we go, oh my God, what's this? And we revert right back to the old. So you have to get used to playing the new station and being in that level of vibration, I suspect in order to align to it more fully and have that experience of it. But they say it's there because in fact, you already are free, you just don't know it. I'll say, you know, the guys have done workshops and they've said to everybody at the end of the workshop, you know, you don't have to go home again if you don't want to, you know, you're choosing to. I got a three hour drive, oh my God, I got to go to work tomorrow. They're saying, you don't have to, you're choosing to. And as long as you know you're choosing to do it, it's fine but you're in choice. You know, the guides once said to a room full of women, you know, you can, all go, you can all leave your husbands today. And there was this scream that went up in the room, and then all this laughter, and they realized they could. The guides weren't saying, go leave your husband. They were saying, you know, you can. You're choosing to stay where you are. You're choosing this. And there are other choices that are available, but you have to know that you're free to make them.
1: Well, the question is what are we are choosing from? Are we choosing from the small self or are we choosing yeah. from our truth?
2: You're absolutely right. That is the question. And you know, the guides say the small self thinks and the true self knows and the small self looks at the list of possibilities that he or she has inherited and chooses from that list right. because that's all he's known. But the true self I suspect has access to what exists beyond that list because it's not conditioned to expect them, you know? So, you know, the guides say, we're always ordering off of the menu of what we think we can have. It wouldn't occur to us to order something that's not on that menu. And it's a limited menu, Mm -hmm. so.
1: So how do we know, though, that the true self is speaking? That we are making a choice from the true self, especially if it causes us fear?
2: Well, the true self I understand is never afraid. That's one thing. So if I'm frightened, it's li- not likely the true self right. that speaks. Um, that's an easy one. And when you know anything truly know, there's never a question. You know. So it's an interesting thing. But if you go to the difference between, you know, remembering what it was like to know that you were in love, or know that you got the job or know what the doctor said the diagnosis was. There's no fear in that knowing. The the fear comes up when you're thinking, well, but is the person going to love me back? Am I going to survive the diagnosis? I mean, all of those things are thoughts and the guides say when you're in your knowing, there is no question attached. Now I'm cautious because occasionally people can say I was in my knowing and then they can do something just, you know, horrific and we're responsible to our choices. And I don't know if the guides are presuming a level of, of health you know, and integrity in this. I'm gonna ask, because I'm curious, yes, of course we are. Yes, of course we are, we're not speaking to delusion here. We're not speaking to delusion here. Delusion would be, delusion would be. I will do it my way. I will do it my way to confirm it. And everybody will confirm it as opposed to, I will be here. As opposed to, I will be here and do what is before me and do what is before me and the results are not mine. And the results are not mine. True knowing holds humility. True knowing holds humility and always will and always will, period. I hear period.
1: Mm. I'm just wondering, like when I connect to my true self and my true self tells me, you know, leave my job, leave my home. And it feels right. But of course, a little self says, Oh my God, what are you doing? So then you are in this conundrum of having to choose. And, and I guess these are the times where you have to check into the upper room again to get that perspective of the true self.
2: I think so. I knew I woke up one morning about four and a half years ago, and I knew it was time to leave my academic jobs. I knew it and there was no, I just woke up knowing it and then I spent the next four or six months debating it, calling my accountant, calling every psychic I knew on the Eastern Seaboard, every, you know, but when I knew I wasn't afraid, I made myself nice and miserable for about six months, (laughs) but you know, I was leaving a job I'd been in for 25 years, you know, and benefits and retirement and all those things to do this crazy work, but you know, I made it through you know, for whatever reasons. That was part of my passage. I'm not very cavalier. I'm very cautious by, as by part of my nature. I don't step into the void without testing it. And, um, you know, so that was my process. It was the same process. When I you know the true self knows, the small self thinks. Yeah. That's how I hear.
1: Yeah. I have one last question, which is basically, can we all talk to our guides? Are they there for all of us?
2: Well, I hear yes and no. They're always present. There's always present. But there are different ways to communicate. them. You can always talk to them. And you may not be able to hear them as he does, as he does, but there are other ways to learn. And be in a communication with them, Yes. So I'm a clear audience. That's my primary work. But, you know, the guides I work with aren't necessarily solving my small self's problems. I really wish they would. These guides are teachers. They're here to teach. I don't care if they ever get I don't know if they care that I ever get a date or get what I want. I mean, I don't know that that's their thing. But, you know, I have this one ability, but knowing is another ability And I think our guides work with us in many different ways. And many of them may be rather subtle, but I do think we're being supported and and even steered. We just have to open to listen. That's what I think. We all
1: have guides.
2: I believe so, yes.
1: And they all can be asked to support.
2: I hear yes.
1: So the question is just, are we paying attention or listening? Or are we losing trust when things not happen the way we want to?
2: All of the above.
1: Yeah. Paul, unfortunately we don't have five hours, I wish we would, or more. This was wonderful, as also last time, it was just wonderful to see you and work with you and thank you for the guides to show also their teachings to us and share this. Uh, How can people find you? How can people read more about your next book and things like that?
2: My website is my name, it's paulselig.com. That's the best place to find out where events are. I channel almost every Wednesday night. I travel with workshops quite frequently. So I'm all over the place. And there's a calendar up on the site. And the books can be bought at all the major booksellers or, you know, online at Barnes & Noble or Amazon or IndieBound. They're, they're easily gettable. And, um, yeah, that's it.
1: Well, I'm grateful for you and for your guides to make you wake up to paying attention and listening and for all the teachings that you're sharing and all the difference you're making in this world. And those teachings are certainly needed right now very much because so many of us are looking for the true and divine self. So thank you for making your part happen.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for tuning into Empowerment Radio. And uh, yes, definitely check out Paul's site and his Wednesday channelings and his books. It makes a huge difference in everybody's life who actually have taken the time to read his work and get connected to the teachings and the energy. So I hope you're going to be also one of them until next time. Take care. Goodbye.
0: You've been listening to empowerment radio with Dr. Friedman Schaub. Join Dr. Friedman every first and third Thursday at 9am Pacific, 12 PM Eastern as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges of our daily lives. To learn more about how Dr. Friedman's personal breakthrough program can help you overcome fear, anxiety, and low self-esteem, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com.